Kelman on cliffcentral.com. Emma Gannon is poised to have a very, very big 2016. Uh, Control-Alt-Delete, how I grew up online, is going to be out in the UK in July. It is, of course, her debut non-fiction book for young adults. Uh, she continues to do unbelievable work with the British Glamour magazine. And, of course, she's still got you know that street cred that you need from the likes of uh, Lena Dunham voting her one of her favorite UK women in January 2015 in an issue of Time Out. Emma, it's difficult for me to even going into this and, you know, speaking to you as this influential millennial, put you in a box and say Emma Gannon is X, Y, Z. I would imagine as hard as it is for me, it's even harder for you to to be boxed, right? Absolutely. I I mean, I'm hoping to sort of be almost like the spokesperson for having multiple fingers in pies. (laughs) I feel like I feel like it's 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 maybe a millennial trait as Mm. much as just a kind of personal decision, but I've seen it across a lot of my friends. It's not that we're confused. It's just that we want to be involved in so many different things. And um, I think it's it's so old fashioned now to have one job, perhaps. Yeah, a lot of people, though, we fall into this trap of kind of wanting to do so many things and then you land up not doing anything. For you, though, that's absolutely not the case. You've been able to take these multiple aspects of your personality and just based on the CV of yours, which reads incredibly impressively, been able to choose one thing, excel at it, and then move on to the next project. I wonder if we all have that ability or what you've tapped into in order to make that possible. Yeah, I think that's really important, actually, that you picked up on that, because I think there's a lot to be said for having lots of strings to your bow, but not really anything to sort of comment on, because mm. you haven't seen something through enough. But um my kind of theory, and also something I just make sure I stick to, is I have to be working on something that complements my other projects. So I truly believe that my blog has made me a better writer, my book will make me a better blogger, because I'll have more readers and more interactions, my day job at the moment um makes me reflect on the bigger brand that I can sort of grow and then learn and put that back into myself so I feel that um everything that I'll hopefully go on to do in 2016 if I've got other plans to storytell in different ways Mm. um as long as it all feeds back in together into one bigger picture that's the goal really yeah, I want to talk for a second about GirlLostInTheCity.com. You're 20 years old and you start this blog. And I mean, just looking at the tweets, because I follow you on Twitter, people have an unbelievable connection to you. They've never met you. But, you know, the, the stuff that you put out on the blog, it really resonates with people. And I wonder how one gets better just as a human being at creating content and telling stories that resonate with other people. How does one get better at this authentic thing? I think for me, I just make sure that it is as personal as it can be. And actually this year I um, I started a newsletter, which is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. But it really, it got to the point where I needed to make it go back to the start almost. Because although I have quite a lot of readers now on my blog, I felt like I need another portal for it to be even more intimate. So um, now I've got, you know, a a small but quite big number of um, subscribers to my newsletter and everyone's saying that receiving an email from me and, you know, putting all my blog posts and other things in there that I want to share, I get so many replies on email now and I find I'm getting so much out of that as well. 
Yeah, what do you what do you feel when somebody you know says that you know reading your stuff has had a huge impact on them? Does it ever get old? That I mean, do you kind of get over that, or does it really give you a source of energy that you're able to tap into when people respond to your work in a very personal way? Yeah, I I um absolutely love. That's the best part for me, I'd say, because I I know a lot of writers who write for that sort of broadcast of I've written this and they'll sort of leave it, whereas I'm a writer who needs to connect. I write to connect with people. That's kind of the reason I do it. So, yeah, absolutely. When I get things like that, I'm um, I'm so happy and it's the reason I do it. But then on the flip side, I always need to remind myself and sort of remind other people that I don't in any way, shape or form have any answers to people's mm. problems. And how I got my job and how I got my career is so unique because it's such a zigzaggy, strange way that I got where I am. So... I can't reply in a paragraph and give someone advice for their job. And I can't, you know, I've had, I've had people email me on Sunday nights, like in absolute pieces being like, I need to make a decision about my life. What do I do? And I'm not, I'm not trained or, you know, I don't have those answers. So there is a line and, and I, and I just have to make sure that they know that I don't know what or everything. Emma, where are you at with making sense of this whole human beings on planet Earth thing? I mean, are you spiritual? Are you religious? How do you justify this human experience? How are we justifying this call from Johannesburg to London right now? How does any of this make sense to you? Well, I think you get what you put in, in a, in a sense, and it's exactly with social media. People want these, you know, loads of followers and they want people to read all their stuff and they want to be you know, quote unquote successful, whatever that means, because I don't necessarily think a big following makes you successful. But um, I don't know if a lot of people are kind of as obsessed with human connection as perhaps someone like me is, just because I am, it's my life, it's not just a thing that I just do for fun. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely love the random connections it all brings. That's another reason why I do what I do, I guess. I'm not religious, but I am, um, I think I'm actually just quite matter of fact with the way I think. And I just genuinely think all the time that time is running out in a way. I, mm. I'm quite, I'm quite conscious of time. And I, it's not that I'm always busy and stressed, but I just think I'm not going to sit on this idea because I don't want to look back in 10 years and be like, why didn't I send Mm. that manuscript out? Or why didn't I publish that blog? I just think, you know, (laughs) it sounds morbid, but, you know, we're only here once. Just do it. I want to bring up what what I think is one of the, the biggest issues that millennials face, which is not being able to just stay in one's own lane. So you speak about, you know, getting a certain amount of stuff done by a certain period. A lot of millennials, they look at how old they are. They go into IMDb and they compare themselves to an actor or an actress or some Hollywood celebrity. Mm. And we're living in this day and age of we log on to Instagram and we're subconsciously just comparing ourselves to other people and feeling shitty about it because they're portraying the best of their lives. So so for you, how do you not compare Emma Gannon to anybody else in the world? How have you maintained this own lane thing? Yeah, that's that is something that I do. I I have to have a bit of a tunnel vision sometimes when Mm. I'm doing my thing because I I genuinely think that the times where I've just blocked out what other people are doing and concentrated on myself is an acceleration beyond belief. It's just, I've just kind of zoomed on. And I think 
I, I watch a lot of interviews of like famous actresses and I do read the IMDb and I do go on Wikipedia and I just find it really interesting how people have carved out a career for themselves. It's just, I think it's fascinating. But people leave out a lot and Wikipedia is so interesting in that way because you'll see someone has had this amazing career, but you'll realise that they didn't do anything for seven years in the middle of it or they had three years off or mm. they, they really struggled at the beginning but they've left that bit out or their career starts from 30. And you just think you don't ever know the full picture, so it's very hard to compare yourself. And I guess you could compare that to something like Instagram where you're just seeing a really small fragment of someone's life. Mm. And I truly believe that everyone who is successful has worked so hard because you can get a lot handed to you on a plate perhaps when you're younger and you might have people backing you, but you you will burn out or you will sort of... I think you have to keep it going yourself is what I'm saying. I think luck only gets you so far and then mm. you have to keep going yourself. And you also don't know where it's going. I mean, you speak about the zigzag process to get where you are today to be on the verge of releasing your debut nonfiction book for young adults. Uh, You don't know where things are going to go. One doesn't always know what the big picture is. And so I guess one can't fixate on that big picture because then you're you're unable to sort of go with the flow. How important is it to go with the flow? Um, Well, I, I always think that you should try and have big ideas, but your expectations should be quite low. I genuinely, when I left school, was just so happy to be in London having a job. I didn't even care what that job was. I was like, oh, my God, I'm in London. This is amazing. So I feel like because I was so I I thought so kind of low of what I would achieve in a way. I know that sounds really backwards, but I was so pleased to have done that one thing that it was almost everything else was always going to be extra. Because I think the problem is, is when people think, right, I want to be a film director by the time I'm 35. And everything will be a disappointment if you don't. And it's such a, it's a really harsh thing to put on yourself. I don't think it's very nice to do that to yourself. You wouldn't do that to your friend and say, you have to be this by the time you're this age. It's just not very, I think you're just stunting yourself. And I never dreamed that I'd get a book deal at this age. Like it was totally something that was just so far off in my mind I could have been like 85 and get a book deal and be so happy. Like I don't, I don't, I didn't, I never kind of put that pressure on myself and I don't know whether that ironically helped. Mm. What's the most interesting impact that getting that book deal had on you that you wouldn't have foreseen? What's the most interesting thought that's sort of come out of it? Um, well, I think what's interesting is that idea came when I was just having a chat with my friends and I was it, totally relaxed. I was on a beach actually. <laughs> I was in Australia with my family. Like, and, and this is a lesson I've learned is you have to take time off because I was on holiday. I wasn't thinking about work. I, it wasn't even anywhere in my mind thinking about anything to do with this. And we were just chatting and I was in my most relaxed state I've ever, I've ever been this year. Actually, that's like the most relaxing holiday I've been on in a long time. And it kind of, that's where the idea came from and that's where it all spiralled from was that conversation with my my closest friends. So I think the two things I learned was take time off. And I know there's a TED talk about this actually that's really interesting about someone who takes time off every seven years mm. just takes a year off and makes him better in his job. I think it's mm. Simon Sinek, maybe. Um, and then the other thing was, and I've read this a lot with a lot of artists, is make stuff for your friends. Hmm. 
Um, because nor- sometimes we ignore the people closest to us. We think we want the random people in Sainsbury's. We want we want the random collective, random Twitter followers to like it. But actually, yeah. make it for the people who know you. Make it for the people who support you, and then that will hopefully do really well. Emma, what's the family's take on on how you're turning out? Um. Well, I was actually. A little bit, um, dis- not disappointed, but I was surprised with like my parents' reaction, for example, because it was quite sort of, oh yeah, we knew you would. Hmm. And and when something so big happens like that, like this is honestly like the only thing I've ever wanted in my life, so it's like jumping up and down screaming. But and so when people are sort of like, oh yeah, we knew you would, it's sort of, oh, I want you to be really excited and I want you to be shocked I want you to be like mm. this is unbelievable how has this happened and it's almost a flattering thing when people kind of pat you on the back and say oh you know it's obvious but yeah. it's not to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's I think it's also a bit of a, a breakdown between generations uh where you know parents don't necessarily get what it is to be a millennial. They don't get what it is to have a successful blog. I don't know if they quite understand what that is because it wasn't around when they were young. And so it's not that it comes across as dismissive, but there is some kind of breakdown in communication that's happening between generations. I mean, one sees it in a workplace and obviously then you would see it in a family environment as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Like they're so proud and they are absolutely 100% supportive. Like my dad's pre-ordered like five <laughs> of Amazon. Like it's, it's lovely, but yeah, it, there's definitely this kind of under layer of sort of we, we're so proud, but we don't get it. Mm. And, um, I have actually seen that a lot at work and, you know, I have really benefited from having a lot of knowledge like this. And that isn't something that I think that's very new to have someone young in a workplace who knows more about something is bizarre. We've always worked in a career, uh, in a work environment where you work there for 30 years. So you know everything. Absolutely. And you, and you learn pieces of information from me because I'm the most experienced person in the room. Whereas suddenly you get this like 20 something person barrel into an office and have all this information about something that's only existed for, you know, a couple of decades. Absolutely. Uh, I want to take a word and, and see how it resonates with you, uh, what your immediate emotion towards that word is, uh, what immediately you think, and, and that word is is vulnerable. Uh, well, I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I've been reading a lot of Brené Brown's books. I think it's the most p- powerful thing you can do. That's, but it's so hard. Isn't it one of the hardest things in the world? And yet when people get it right, when artists get it right, when they are vulnerable, they, you know, reveal and articulate human truths that we all resonate with on a subconscious level. That's why we sing along so beautifully to the Adele song. But, but getting to that point of being vulnerable is, is very, very hard. And I, I do sometimes wonder what happens between us being kids that, you know, we'll run into a fire because we don't know that the fire's hot. A uh, terrible example. But I do wonder what happens between being a kid and growing up that makes us a lot less inclined to be vulnerable and, and what's going on in terms of our social conditioning. Yeah, that's really interesting because I was so oblivious to a lot of things when I was younger and I do write about 
some of this in the book where I sort of I'm so loud and confident and do anything and then obviously I hit sort of like teenage years and it's just totally changes Mm. and and you see this a lot with with girl young girls as well kind of more so perhaps with confidence just knocked out of them when they sort of go through that I know it happens with boys as well but with girls it's like they won't do sport anymore or they won't go and do that thing on the stage they used to do because they're embarrassed now because their body's changed or whatever it is Mm. so I think it's almost this wave because I've gone through that with my career feeling not very confident and then feeling confident again but I think the vulnerability thing can only come from a place where you have accepted yourself because you know a few years ago I wouldn't be as vulnerable because I was still feeling really really kind of insecure about it whereas I'm at a point now where I do think that I know what I'm doing I do think that I know where I'm going Mm. and it's it's very strange the paradox because it's strange thing to say that I have to be feeling confident in myself to be vulnerable what would we what would we put on a billboard if we could put a billboard up around the world sort of take over all the outdoor advertising that there is in the world with a message to young women who are having that confidence knocked out of them what would we say what would we put on that billboard I know it's a difficult one but I'm just wondering how we rework that kind of social conditioning well I think it's something to do with thinking that or really believing that your flaws are your individual strength. Hmm, that's beautiful. Because, yeah. because I do think all of the things I was so sort of, uh, funny about when I was younger, just little things that made me different. Now I'm just embracing them, obviously. And you can see on my blog, I'm very honest with lots of things that I feel, even if other people don't feel them. And those are the ones that resonate the most. And you can see it everywhere really now where People are writing memoirs and blog posts about a strange thing that happened to them that they've been hiding for years. The minute they publish it, they have about, you know, they have a small community of people that feel the same. Mm. Yeah, it resonates because it's coming from an honest place, but not everyone can articulate how they feel, you know, in the same way that you'd be able to. I want to speak for a second about, you know, with this, this conversation in mind, and you really shared a lot about this, uh, you know, being a teenage girl, and then it kind of gets knocked out of you, and then you found it again. And and tell me how it makes it harder to find it, to find that confidence and strength again when you're in this media industry. And, I mean, you know, there's, there's women who are doing unbelievable things in the media industry, but it is sort of still largely male-dominated, and men are such pigs. Uh, so, so tell me about kind of, I don't know, you've got to walk into a meeting and you've got to be super, super strong and maybe you're going through stuff and, and just tell me about, you know, women in media and, and where you're at with that in, in 2016. Um, well, yeah, I, I, I've, I've had a lot of sort of experiences with this just because I have been like the young girl in the room a lot Mm. in meetings and you know, things like that. Like on panels, I'm normally like the only girl wearing a pink dress with like a sea of suits. <laughs> Rockstar, rockstar. <laughs> very much standing out. But um I don't know. I think there's something to be said for sort of like a quiet confidence. I don't necessarily think you have to go in there trying to be manly and trying to be kind of overly bossy or loud or whatever these words are that people always use for like these stereotypes of like, 
you know, the bossy work bitch or the timid, gossipy work girl. Like, there's always these stereotypes. And I just think we need to break away all the stereotypes of what women should be in a work environment. Mm. You know, those little boxes that you see in magazines, like, are you this one or this one? I think you just be yourself and you be honest and be really confident because most of the time you probably do know the answer. You just need to sort of put your hand up and say what it is. Got to be confident. Uh, Emma, it's so, so great chatting to you. It's always great chatting to you. It's like the second time we've spoken. Uh, there's just so much depth to you. And as I look at your avatar on Skype on the computer in front of me, there's just this quirky edge about you as well. <laughs> Emma's doing this uh, eyes to the side thing. She's got this uh, the blonde uh, bob thing going on. She's got the uh, denim shirt buttoned way up to the top. <laughs> A popper red on the lips. It's, you're super quirky. You're super cool. Uh, and I'm so glad that we have you on this list of uh, influential millennials to watch in 2016 thank you so much it's such a pleasure uh we've got two questions from uh, other people that are on this list uh, so we got to shoot through these real quick the first one is uh who do you call first when you get good news um my dad okay yeah and dad's already we spoke about this he's ordered the five books already from uh, amazon (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, and then the second question is, uh, in the 21st century, is it easier to be more influential? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> uh, yes, I'd say. Yeah, it's with social media and uh, if you can find out what your voice is, there's so many platforms to now share your voice. Definitely. And I think you can choose who you want to think is influential. Um, you're not just told, oh, this one celebrity is going to sell the moisturizer. You might want to buy it off someone else. Absolutely. You might be as influential. Uh, Emma, we, we're just about out of time. So, so you've, influ- you've uh, interviewed Kate Winslet, Lena Dunham, Drew Barrymore. You've, influ- you've uh, interviewed uh, Grace Helbig, uh, Connor Franta. So you're an experienced uh, interviewer. So I'm actually going to let you end this whole thing. You can say whatever you want. You can uh, push whatever you want. Emma Gannon, you're going to wrap this up for us, yeah. Uh, shoot. Thank- cool. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm Emma Gannon, and I love cliffcentral.com. Um, if you would like to pre-order my book, you can. It's Control-Alt-Delete, How I Grew Up Online from Waterstones or Amazon. And thanks so much for listening to me. Such a pleasure. Emma Gannon, thank you so, so much. Kelman on cliffcentral.com.